Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with the Forgotten Sheep Podcast. And in this podcast, we're going to be looking at a particular incident in the life of an evangelist. Her name is Kate Booth, or Katie Booth, or Katie Booth Clibber. And she is the daughter, or was the daughter, of Salvation Army founders General William Booth and his wife Catherine. When this story starts, young Katie Booth was an officer in the Salvation Army, founded by her father. In fact, it was founded not all that far from the time that Katie was born. Now, Katie grew up in an atmosphere of loving the Lord, of trying to reach the lost, of helping those that are poor or down and need help. That was her whole world. Salvation Army was the world she grew up in. And it's not surprising then that she should be one of its leaders as she grew older. And she was a very gifted speaker. She was able to calm crowds. She was able to take control of services where people were being rowdy and trying to disrupt. And she was able to preach the gospel in a way that people would get quiet and listen. And they would be changed by that. And they would begin to seek the Lord and be truly, truly saved. And so as we drop in on Katie's life, she's serving in France and has received an invitation to come to Switzerland to preach. Now, she was sent to France as the Salvation Army's first outreach outside of England. And she was such an effective leader and such a good preacher And such a woman of God that her father had no qualms about sending her as their first representative, you know, out of, out of England. She did well in France. There was a lot of hard times. There was a lot of problems. They met with a lot of resistance, but through persistence and prayer and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Katie was able to overcome all these things. So she gets an invitation to come uh, to Switzerland to speak. Now, This was in uh, 1882, and Switzerland was known for its religious freedom. So one would think that a country known for its religious freedom would be very open to people coming in with a gospel message. You would think that the Salvation Army would be welcome there, but you would be surprised. Now, in an interesting twist... As Katie went into Switzerland, because she was invited and was not there trying to establish a Salvation Army base, she went about things a bit differently. Now, usually the Salvation Army at that time would have parades down the street with their brass bands and the soldiers marching. And the goal was to attract people's attention and get the crowd to follow them to their meeting hall. It was also to let people know that the Salvation Army was there and if they needed help, they could count on them to help. Katie did not do any marches. There were no brass bands. There was only one poster made announcing that she would be there and she consulted with some of her friends there in Switzerland to make sure that it was appropriate. So she went there and was trying to be very sensitive of uh, what one author called the country's religious sensibilities. There were no marches. There were no brass bands. There were no banners. There was only the one poster. 
And even though they weren't advertising as they usually did, people began to swarm to Kate's meetings or Katie. I like, uh, I tend to call her Katie because that's what she was called by her family and a lot of their correspondence. So I may switch between Kate and Katie, but it's all the same, all the same uh, young woman. So they began to come to her meetings and she began to make a difference. And whenever the Lord begins to move in a place, and whenever people are having their eyes opened and are being convicted of sin and are seeing, <coughs> excuse me, their need of Jesus Christ, the devil is going to react. That's exactly what happened. So as Katie is begin, beginning to see success there and the Lord's beginning to move and people are being saved, there was one group of people um, one author described them in a very interesting way. They said this group of people were those who trafficked in vice. I think what they mean by that, again, that would be considered a very Victorian expression. I believe he's referring to brothels and um, drinking establishments, possibly uh, gamblers or those who ran gambling establishments. He was talking about those who made their money from the sin of others. And that group of people got very angry with the work that Kate was doing. Now, the Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. Now, what that means is that it wasn't so much these people, but it was the powers of darkness that were working through them. The evil spirits that were behind the trafficking and vice that they were already so deeply involved in. That's who hated Katie. That's who hated the Jesus that Katie represented, the Jesus that lived in Katie's heart. And that evil reacted violently. It had been left untouched there in Switzerland for years. And now someone had come in to disrupt the status quo and the powers of darkness reacted. As I mentioned, they paid people to disrupt her meetings. They weren't about to go get involved in this, so they would pay people to go to Katie's meetings. The disruptions got so bad that it caught the attention of the local police, and so they sent out some officers to help keep peace in the meetings. Well, as they did that, more and more people were being sent specifically to disrupt the meetings. So what that means is when they would pray, these people would heckle. Uh, when they would try to sing, they would sing uh, crude, vulgar, body songs. Uh, when they would try to preach, again, they would heckle and they would try to drown out the sound of the speaker. Well, in a shocking miscarriage of justice, in my personal opinion, the local police refused to intervene anymore. One of them said, well, you know, We've sent our officers out, and I'll be honest, our officers have a lot better things to do than try to keep the peace at your disruptive meetings. And if anything, we're going to send fewer officers to your meetings. So basically, they were putting their stamp of approval on shutting down the Salvation Army's work there in Switzerland. However, in true Salvation Army fashion, the meetings continued as did the disturbance. Now, in one instance, there was a group of students 
that were being paid that had strategically positioned themselves around the meeting hall so they could cause as much problem as they could. They yelled, they sang vulgar songs, they mocked the prayers, they did their dead best to drown out the sound of the speaker. Can't you see that the powers of darkness were behind this? They were fighting to drown out the sound of the gospel. They were trying to disrupt prayer because they knew that prayer was far, far stronger than anything they could do. In the midst of all of this, Katie remained calm and she remained determined. So she goes to take the platform and she has one of those special anointings from the Lord that is able to calm a crowd, to calm a riotous crowd. Katie takes control of a meeting and within an hour, the troublemakers were quiet. The power of God in that place was greater than the powers of darkness. When the meeting was over, that whole crowd of young people, they left in silence. Not only, not only had their riotous behavior been calmed and stopped, they ended up being so quiet, they heard that gospel message that Katie carried. They heard those hymns sung at the end of the service. They heard the prayers that those officers sent them there to disrupt. And Jesus, Jesus revealed himself in that meeting and he touched their hearts. Now, needless to say, this further angered the devil and it angered those who were opposing her ministry there in Switzerland. So we see that in spite of the devil's resistance, Jesus is victor. The following night after that big disruption, 300 people came to hear Katie speak. And guys, one in 10 who attended that service sought additional prayer at the end. One in 10. They were indicating that interest in getting right with the Lord. (coughs) Now those troublemakers were there and they were quiet, but they decided they were going to, you know, see if they could cause some trouble in the prayer room. They decided to try their hand at this again. So they forced their way into the prayer room and they were ready to cause, you know, start causing trouble. But after they got in there, the presence of the Lord was so manifest in that place that they remained silent. They remained silent in the presence of God. Now, out of those 300 that had attended that meeting, there was a man that came to Katie, and he compared himself to the demon-possessed man from Gadara in the Bible. You will probably remember the story of the man that was uh, naked and he lived in the cemetery and they would try to put chains on him and he had an inhuman strength that would allow him to break free of those chains. And Jesus had delivered him. Well, this particular gentleman told Katie he was like that man, that he was chained to a frightful life. And hearing Kate preach, 
brought him under conviction. It brought him under conviction that was so strong and so unbearable. He resolved that he was going to get out of this frightful life one way or another. And that means, of course, that if he couldn't do it any other way, he had plans to commit suicide. However, through the grace of God, he decided that before he did anything desperate, he would hear Katie one more time. And he heard her that time. And he came forward at that church service. He went to that prayer room and Jesus set him free. Now, Kate was working with some other Salvation Army officers here. One in particular, her name was uh, Maud. That name might sound familiar to you. She ended up marrying one of uh, one of Kate's brothers. So, Maud Charlesworth was her assistant there, and they had been working diligently for six weeks in Geneva, and they were seeing powerful results. But one week, after that particular meeting, Kate and her assistant Maud were expelled from Geneva. That sounds rather biblical, doesn't it? Where the prophet of the Lord comes into a place carrying a message from the Lord. They're expelled, they're kicked out. Or disciples going to carry the gospel. Jesus said, if they won't listen to you, you're to shake the dust off your feet and go to another city. So this really isn't all that uncommon for Christians, but that's what happened. And even though it's not so uncommon, it is still shocking. Now, their reason behind kicking Kate and Maud out is outrageous. They said they were scandalized by Kate's appearance in public. Okay, so let's talk about a few things here. Kate's appearance in public. Well, there was her dress. She dressed in a Salvation Army uniform. And believe me, they were not seeing anything they were not supposed to see. Her mother designed the uniform and purposely made those bonnets look as homely as possible, but also practical. They kind of flared out at the sides to help protect the face from rocks and stones. I kid you not. It was very modest by anyone's standards. It was very modest. Her appearance in public... Ah, was it because she was preaching the gospel? Because she was standing up and proclaiming truth with an authority and a confidence that perhaps made them uncomfortable. Well, Kate defended herself against this uh, hypocrisy. And I love love her defense. She said, she told the people of Geneva that if I had come as an actress... You would never have said a word about my appearance, even though I might be up on the stage in a play that is questionable or vulgar. And she said, you say that you don't want your wives or daughters to hear me speak because you're afraid I will be a bad influence on them. But you take your wives and your daughters to see those questionable plays. So she called her hand on their hypocrisy. And she defended herself in court and appealed the charge. And her appeal was rejected. Now, one would hope, in a situation like this, that the organized church and professing Christians would stand up for Katie. 
You would think that the people of Switzerland would say, hey, wait a minute, we're a country of great religious freedom. This isn't right. Sadly, that is not what happened. Many religious people, and notice I'm saying religious, I am not saying Christians. Many religious people took the side of the government against the Salvation Army. And talked about what a disgrace she was. And all of these things. There were even pamphlets written to attack Kate. Pamphlets written by Christians. The Bible talks about preach and people began to attend the meetings in significant numbers there were people there in switzerland that had grown weary of churches that had a form of religion but they had no power that had grown weary of lives of wickedness and evil had grown weary of drowning their troubles in alcohol and sex and they were ready for something different. They heard the message of the gospel as Katie and her team presented it. They began to come to the meetings in significant numbers and as is to be expected, Satan resisted them. Trouble started. Early Sunday morning, meeting was about to start when Katie and Maude heard a commotion and it sounded like it was coming down the street and getting louder. Katie turned to her team and said, you guys pray, I'm going outside. Now, mind you, this is beautiful, peaceful Switzerland, a place of freedom, freedom of religion. Kate steps outside the door and found herself surrounded by a crowd of men armed with sticks, stones, and pitchforks. So the devil had stirred these men up to resist the work of the Lord. And they demanded to know what she was doing in their town. One of them cried out, go away, we have our own pastors. And Katie, as cool and calm as can be, said, my friend, you don't do them much credit. Another one pulled the pipe out of his pocket, held it up and said, this is the only God I need. Katie looked at him and said, someday you're going to need another, another God when it comes time to die. And then another one said, you're only here to get our money. Okay, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Katie had been called. Katie had been collected. Katie had listened to what they had to say and answered it, but this was going too far. She said, say that again. And he wouldn't. And she said, yes, you will not repeat it because you know in your heart of hearts that it's not true. Now, what do you think Katie does next? I'm going to bet you will never guess that she grabs that by, guy by the collar, drags him into the church, and plops him down on the front row and tells him to be quiet. 
Well, needless to say, I imagine some of the other crowd followed her in. Did you know that gentleman sat on that front pew quietly, respectfully, and listened for two hours? Again, the devil sent him there to cause trouble and disrupt the meeting. And what happened? He ended up listening to the message the Lord had given Katie for those people. He heard the hymns. He heard the prayers. He heard the testimonies. He heard it all. What the devil... What the devil had meant for disruption and trouble, the Lord had turned to good. At the end of the meeting, there were multiple people saved. However, despite the positive impact that the Salvation Army was having, the town leaders resented her presence. And once again, legal issues arose. The Grand Council of that city voted to suppress the Salvation Army. Well, you know what? They, People may be able to suppress a church or suppress a movement or suppress someone's voice, but they can never suppress the power of God. Well, then the cities of Zurich and another city that I cannot pronounce followed the same path and said, we too will suppress the Salvation Army. We don't want them here. This was in direct violation of Swiss laws regarding the freedom of religion. And so, Kate and her team were advised by lawyers <coughs> excuse me, that the only way they could possibly hope to get the authorities to retract their actions was to disobey the orders. Now, that surprises me. The lawyers said, okay, the only way you're going to get this changed is if you openly disobey these orders. <coughs> so Katie came out, and she reminded the Swiss government that she was a British citizen who had a legal right to preach on Swiss soil. They didn't care. Well, responsibilities call Katie back to France but she has not given up on Switzerland she returns as soon as her French responsibilities are done came back to the city that I cannot pronounce but I shall spell once again for you N-E-U-C-H-A-T-E-L and she disobeyed their decree she preached in a quarry that had uh, made a clearing in a forest there in that area. And there she preached to a crowd of over 500. Now, it's interesting, the city leaders are so wanting to silence her and stop her work, and yet the people on the street, they wanted to hear this message of the gospel that Katie was presenting. Now, the prefect of the police and a group of his officers arrived during the meeting. Katie saw them. They surrounded, they tried, they positioned themselves so they were surrounding the crowd. And she told the crowd, Take no notice. We're going to have a glorious meeting all the same. <laughs> and once again, we see these people here that are having to do a work that the devil's behind. I'm not saying these cops, I'm not saying the prefect of police were being influenced by the devil at all. But I'm saying those in charge had insisted they go to this place, and basically they were there to arrest Katie. But they ended up hearing the whole message, and this was a very special meeting. There were many hymns and lots of testimonies. 
of how the Lord had worked in people's lives and these officers and that prefect of police are standing there and they hear it all. And at the end of the meeting, the prefect of police walks up and reluctantly explains that he was there to arrest Katie. And he said, I want you to know I could not bring myself to do it during the meeting. And Katie, he told Katie, please, please don't hold this against me personally. He said, I had judged you based on hearsay. But he said, when I came here and I heard what you were doing and I heard the message and I felt the Lord, I knew that I had been wrong and it has completely changed the perception of my work. And he said, please forgive me for having to arrest you and arrest one of your officers. So, Katie was arrested. They arrived at a local city leader's office to be held in custody. Katie gets a telegram. One of her converts from when she had been working in Geneva, a young man, had passed away. In his dying breath, he requested that Katie speak at his graveside service. So, Katie posted bail. And she headed back to the city that had expelled her. She headed back to Geneva. So, they find out. Geneva finds out she's there. Okay? The mayor of Geneva shows up at the funeral just as Katie is about to speak. And he's intent on arresting her. And her assistant, Colonel Arthur Cliburn, said, Sir, we are at a funeral. He didn't care. He reached out and started to take hold of Katie's arm. And she turned to him and said, Hands off, this is holy ground. This is a funeral. And I will make myself available to speak with you when this funeral service is finished. And there was a power behind her words and authority that came from the Lord, that even that mayor felt the strength of, and he backed off. He waited until the end of the service. And once again, we have someone that the devil has sent, or the powers of darkness were behind sending him to arrest her, and he had to stand there and hear the message that she preached at this young man's graveside, the evangelistic message that she preached. Now, he comes up and says, I'm here to arrest you. And Katie says, well, you can't. And he said, why not? She said, I can't be in two prisons at one time. I'm out on bail. He was so disappointed that he couldn't arrest her. They said the look on his face was positively amusing, the level of disappointment he had. <coughs> well, true to her word, Katie followed the legal uh, requirements and she returned back to the city where she had posted bail. <coughs> and she and her lieutenant were placed in prison to await a trial in 12 days. Now, Kate's health was already pretty bad. And her time in prison only made it worse. She said she couldn't eat. No doubt the stress and all of that from what had happened. Her sleep was disturbed because when she'd go to sleep, the mice would come out and run all over her, the very thought of which horrifies me. And she said her smell, her cell smelled horrible. 
Now, fortunately, she said she had a very thin face, and there were bars up there, and she could take her very thin face and stick it between the bars and get fresh air. So, um, her officers show up outside the prison to encourage her. One morning, she awakens to hear hymns being sung, and she sticks that thin face between the prison bars, and she sees it's her Salvation Army team. And to let them know she was okay, she hung a handkerchief, no doubt very dirty and soiled by this time. She hung it on one of the bars to let them know she was okay, and they yelled out words of encouragement to her. This was the beginning of a very dark time, a very dark few days in Katie's life. And probably something that a lot of us can empathize with, been through something similar. She was now separated from those that she would talk to and pray with. She was by herself. She was isolated. And she found out that someone had written a very ugly, hateful, ignorant article against her. They accused her of vanity. They accused her of immodesty. And they accused her of womanliness. And this was written by a a woman that was supposed to be a Christian lady. And this hurt Kate. It hurt her very much. And she was already sick and weak in body. And she's sitting in her cell and she notices a slate on the wall. It would be that probably you could say it might be like the modern equivalent of finding a legal pad and a pen in her cell. And she takes that slate down. And she starts writing down all the things that might happen to her. Now, let's be honest. A lot of us, we might not write down all the things that happen to us, but we have a list in our mind. And she starts going through this. And this is a very bad idea. But it's human nature. She starts to look at it. And as she starts going through the list, she gets more and more discouraged. She starts looking at each item and says, can I accept that? Can I accept that? Can I go through that? She realized she went through that list that she could. She said she could not sign her name at the bottom of that list to indicate that she could bear faith. A very sad statement of that list because of the slate back on the wall. fears invaded her mind but even in spite of that she refused to let go of her trust in God and she began to remind herself of what the Bible promises that he won't subject us to more than we can bear without his help and then she decided she began to think this through began to consider scripture with it that the only thing that was truly unbearable was her doubt. Her doubt in the ability of Christ to bring her through whatever came her way. So Katie took that slate down, she read it again, and she signed her name at the bottom. And as Katie made that commitment to the Lord there in that cell, she said peace and joy flooded her. And she said her experience in prison was no longer unbearable. No doubt the 
powers of darkness were rejoicing that at least for a time they had silenced Katie. But they didn't know that the Lord would take that time. And he would bring Katie into an even deeper relationship with him. He would bring her into an even stronger faith in God. And while the Swiss government was standing against her, she received so many, many letters of support from Swiss friends and Swiss people that had been touched by her ministry. And she wrote home of her confidence that the Lord would make a way for her through this current storm. Her only goal, she said, was his will. And I love this. She encouraged her family not to worry about her because, quote, Jesus is here. And so the next occurrence awaiting Katie is her trial. Now, Katie was already to defend herself in court, but her mom insisted that she talk to some lawyers and get some legal guidance, which, of course, is a very good idea. So... Katie's court day arrives, and the prosecutor paints the Salvation Army as a group of troublemakers and fanatics. Kate, he said, had insulted the Grand Council by daring to accuse them of violating the Constitution. He also pointed out she had a contempt for the law, and that the English never rebelled against the law, no matter how unjust it might be. I guess we're just pretending the whole... Uh, American Revolution never took place. He painted their noisy, meeting noisy and unruly. Now, on the second day, during the defense, Kate stood to plead her own case. Now, again, the Bible tells us that Jesus told the disciples that they're going to bring you before judges and councils. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit will give you the words that you need to say. We see that exact thing taking place here. Kate stood up to plead her cause. She had the ear of some of the most powerful people in the city of Geneva. And they had to sit there to listen. And despite her physical weakness, she stood and spoke with great poise and authority. She began by quoting their own papers as as they had discussed the great needs of the Swiss for a positive moral influence. And she said, there is only one source. There is only one way for your country to have a positive moral influence, an effective one, and that is through Jesus Christ. And she said that was the Salvation Army's entire goal in being this ritual, was to bring people into a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Their influence had been one for good. And she said, let's face it, the troublemakers and the rioters had been evil long before the Salvation Army had come. And she said, I love the nation of Switzerland and I love the Swiss people. And then she reminded them that, yeah, the English were not always so good about obeying laws. And she said, honestly, if there was a law that told Queen Victoria that she couldn't hold a Christian meeting in a clearing in the woods, she would probably have that law changed. (laughs) So she makes her defense. And then she has a few other words to say. And I love this. I absolutely love this. You may punish us. You may imprison us, 
You may prosecute us as long as you are permitted, but what you cannot do is stop this work to suppress it. And she gave him a warning, a very serious prophetic warning, and said, you should take care that in banishing the light, you do not banish Jesus Christ. Kate was finished. The jury began its deliberations. And they couldn't get around the fact that she had disobeyed a legal injunction. However, in doing so, they said she had not acted with culpable intention. And so Kate was acquitted. The Lord's cause was victorious. And after this, Kate's duties called her back to France. But her impact there in Switzerland continued. There are just so many neat things in this story. We see an example of how when the Lord begins to move, the devil will resist. In fact, we should be worried if, in our Christian work, the devil isn't resisting us. We also see how the Lord can take what the devil means for bad and turn it to good. The devil meant the disruptions for bad, but instead, those guys got to hear the gospel and some of them got saved. The Lord meant the time... The devil meant that time in jail to be bad, but the Lord used it to strengthen her commitment to God and bring her into an even deeper relationship. The devil meant to shut up the Salvation Army in Switzerland and to silence them, but instead the leaders of the very city that resisted her the most, Geneva, had to sit there and listen to Katie speak with the power and anointing of the Lord. So what a reminder for us all, we may not be in a mighty Christian work like Katie was. We not, may not be a person of influence like that. But no matter what the devil sends our way, the Lord Jesus Christ can bring good from it.